You think you're pretty cool With your fancy calculator But everybody knows that's just for show You call that a groove Brother, step back off the fader And trade your drum machine for some Listerine Well, I might be old school But I know how to dance I know how to pull up my pants Now let me show you a thing or two I'm almost old enough to be your dad But I'd rather be old school than a brand new fad brand new fad. I ain't a brand new fad No and, and And you know, the thing is People like that You know, okay, there are bands and there are bands But the most iconic bands Like P-Funk, like Earth, Wind, and Fire, you know, like those iconic bands like that, um, uh, they're because they, they have a they, it's a double it's a double threat because they're very together musically and personally. Their, their personalities have a really big effect on how they play, and so when the personality is there and the musicianship is there. That's when it becomes iconic at that point. I mean, they, you know, they're bands, like I said, they're bands and they're bands, you know, but but when you have the personality plus the musicianship, I mean, and that's that's why that's why there won't there will never be another P Funk like that, like you know, like the guys that created that sound. You know, I mean the P Funk All Stars, you know, they're I mean they're good, but but they're basically to me. They're basically a P-Funk cover band, is what they are. That's what the P-Funk All-Stars are. I mean, George is the only, you know, now is the only original one in here. Um, but, you know, but musically, I mean, George George didn't have a lot to do with what went on musically, because he, he's not really a musician. He, George is a, George is a, uh, George is a groove maker. You know, he's not, he's not really a great singer either. But George is a groove maker, he, and it, it, it was his conception. He's the conceptualizer. His all the language that's used on the album and and all the, you know, and all of that was his conception. And of course, it was brought to life by the artist, Overton Lloyd. You know, with you know, with him, with his with his artistry, he's the he's the um, he's the one that brings the images that George talks about. He's the only one that's you know to me. He's the only one that's been able to do that. You know, to to bring the images that George sees in his mind, to you know, to put down on paper that you could actually see. You know, he he he's the only one that's been able to do that. But at any rate, um, uh, but but those guys, you know, and those per and 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 their personalities is what is what made that band iconic. And you know, the personalities of everybody after that is is basically a, a cover, you know, it's, it's basically a cover. They're, they're, they're copying what, what they created, but they're not the creators. And, and that's the, that, that's the difference. You know, I mean, I mean, that's, you know, that's the difference. Nobody plays a bass line like Bernie. It's not going to happen. You know, who, who does, you know, uh, you know, nobody's going to call a mothership like Glenn, you know what I mean? And, uh, and, and, Boogie playing the bass the way that he the way that he played it the way that he complimented them. Nobody's going to compliment them like that. that, you know. I mean, those are. I mean, it's just a fact. It's not. You know, it doesn't mean that they're bad musicians or anything like that. It's just. You know, it's just a fact. You know, mm -hmm. it's you know, 
But, um, you know. It's amazing, though, that George is still going, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and, um, you know, he's, you know, I mean, he, I mean, he's retiring. He says he's, he's, he's retiring. But we'll see how much retiring he does. But um, he's, uh, you know, George, you know, George is still still out there. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that he, I'm glad he kind of cleaned himself up. You yes, know, yes. I mean, drug wise, you know, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm glad of that. You know, because, you know, it, 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 I guess it almost came to a point where, you know, you would think that, you know, George, he, that he if he stopped doing the drugs, he would he would die, you know. Uh, because I mean, I was, you know, I mean, back when I was there, I mean, you know, I mean, I saw, you know, punch, punch bowl full of Coke and that's a lot, you know, and I, you know, and I saw, and I saw, and I saw George, you know, just, just put his <laughs> head right in, right in the bowl, you know, I yeah. mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, stuff like that. And, and, you know, I mean, me not being a drug person, stuff like that. You wonder how long can somebody live? doing stuff like that you know but i mean george survived and god god bless him did, did you feel <laughs> you know? did you feel ostracized or left out at all because you were not particular? no actually no i mean when i first got in the band you know george told me he said so you don't smoke or drink huh he said well we've turned preachers around <laughs> <laughs> you know <it's, laughs> so you know i'm just telling you i'm not saying that. i'm just telling you you know but uh, they didn't turn me around, needless to say, but um, but I but they didn't make me feel they didn't make me feel ostracized at all. No, you know, and and now and that was and that, and that was a good thing. That was you know that was to their credit. They didn't, you know, I mean, they just, they just said, all right, well, you know, you do your thing, you know, we do ours, you do yours, you know. I mean, it was uh, you know, it was it was a uh, um, there was re there was real camaraderie. There there was. You know, it was, you know, I, you know, I, and, and, that, and that, that's a, you know, that, that's, that's a good thing. Well, I'm with you on, on, well, a lot of things you've said, but on the drug side of it, you know, I was a disc jockey uh, at clubs and mobile DJ through the uh, late seventies and throughout the eighties. And, mm -hmm. you know, guys would put, you know, cocaine on my mixing board, you know, intended for me. Right. And when I still said, nah, I'm cool. They thought I was insane. <laughs> yeah 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 i know i it's yeah i mean it, it's it's you know that the whole sex drugs and rock and roll thing you know i mean um i can't say what goes on in people's minds that do that you know that makes them want to do drugs where they feel that maybe they feel it makes them creative or what but but you know it's just like you know i was talking to dennis chambers about this and dennis was you know, I mean, Dennis was in the band and all, and and uh, and he's you know he's he's drug free. He's never done drugs. He's you know uh, anything like that. And 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 like it's a choice, just like everything else in life. Life is a bunch of decisions, you know, that you make about how your life is gonna go. You know, nobody put you know uh, nobody put a gun to my head and said you gotta do drugs because you're in this band. Nobody put a gun. Nobody put a gun to anybody's head in the band. You know, you know, nobody made anybody do drugs. I mean, you're, you're you know, these are grown people. They, you know, do their life the way they, the, the way that they want. But, you know, that the, but it's the stigma. The, the whole stigma of the sex, drugs, and rock and roll is all. It's all a crock because, it, you know, 
it's all about choices. You know, you it's just like everything else. You know, you you know. Is this peer pressure? Yeah, yeah, and if you, you know, if they, yeah, exactly, and you know, if they feel that they need to do this in order to fit in, and you know, I mean, I don't understand the mentality of it, but you know, I mean, you know, and and, and it's something I think you have to have a you have to have a calling for, you know what I mean? I mean, you have some a penchant for, you know, I mean, you know, if so, you know, it's 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 uh, it's one thing to dangle to dangle a, a joint in front of me and to dangle it in front of, you know, somebody that that smoke that smokes it a lot. You know, I, I you know, it, it, there's going to be a different reaction, obviously, you know, and it's like. They, you know, a person like that, they have a pension for it or, or they they feel they need it. You know, I mean, you know, you know, a drug addict. Yeah, a drug addict will do drugs knowing that drugs will kill him, but they do it anyway. Why? Yeah. Who knows? You know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in doing these shows, I do. It's no coincidence that so many of the musicians that are still with us, still in good condition, still can perform, are the ones who did not do as much of that. Generally speaking, George yeah. notwithstanding. Right, 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 yeah. In general, yeah. you know, so, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, now, you know, when I, when I, uh, when I did the, the Rolling Stones album, um, um, I mean, the only ones that, because uh, I did, I wrote arrangements and 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 played on uh, Steel Wheels and uh, Undercover of the Night, those two albums, and and did uh, and played on Mick Jagger's two solo albums. Now, Mick Jagger, I mean, the only ones that I met was Mick Jagger and, and Ron Wood, those because they were producing it. Mick Jagger, uh, he did drugs, used to, like, but he doesn't, you know, he doesn't do it anymore. But he drinks. He's a drinker. You know, and uh, and I, I, you know, at at the sessions, yeah, uh, Jagger, he was, you know, he was tipsy, he was high, you know, from drinking, but it didn't impede him at all. He knew exactly what he was doing. He knew exactly what he wanted. You wouldn't, you know, when 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 he's when he's telling telling you what you know what he wants, you you ne you never think that he was that he was high or or or, or, or half drunk. He was he 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 was complete. He, he, he had he had his senses completely, you know, his wits about him, you know. And so, like I said, you know, people like him, uh, I guess I guess George would fall into the same category, you know. I mean. Uh, Fun functional intoxicant. Yeah, right, right. Exactly. They, you know, <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't impede them at all. They, they, they're able to get it done and still, <laughs> you know. Uh, so, hey. Some folks are like that. So was was Fuzzy Haskins still around on that tour, or had he already left? No, he had already left. Him and Calvin Simon, uh, 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 Ray Davis, he was still there. You know, Ray Davis was still there. Grady was gone. Huh? Grady also left. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They, but they, I got to tell you, the, the uh, footage I've seen from that tour of uh, Hampton playing uh, Cosmic Slop and Maggot Brain. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was, you know, he he was another guy that, you know, because of, because of his musicianship, you know, he could play it night after night, and and just just mesmerize. I mean, yeah, mesmerize the audience. Yes, 
but mesmerize us because we hear it night after night. You know, the audience doesn't. We hear it night after night after night. But, you know, when you can mesmerize, when you can memorize us who hear it every night, and he mesmer mesmerizes us every night, you know, and we hear it at the same time, you know, it's the same, you know, that's, that's saying something. You know, you can mesmerize the people that hear it every night. So, yeah. yeah, he's one of my favorite players of all time. My favorite P-Funk player above Hazel or Blackbird or Gary. Um, Gary. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I, I, you know, I, I definitely agree with that. And he's still around, but not playing with George. That's too bad. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, yeah, I still keep in touch with him, too. You know, because I was going to, a couple of years ago, he was, he, um, he had a, you know, he had the, uh, there was, there was a, a mutual friend of ours, a guitar player named Kelton Cooper, who, um, who was helping Mike get, his, like his own solo career together, um, and you know, was, and I and I was going to be a part of uh, part of his business. It was the Kid Funkadelic Band, you know, but um, you know, Mike, you know, I and I, I think you know because a lot of it because of his drug use early on, you know, he, his, you know, he's 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 really scattered, you know, so. Uh, embarking on a solo career or trying to get a band together and all right now is is just not in his DNA. He's just he's just not focused enough to really do it. And that's what Kelton was helping trying to help him do. You know, what Kelton did, Kelton got, you know, uh, Kelton wrote songs, uh, recorded them and just made it so that all Mike had to do was just go in and play solos, just do what Mike does, you know, and 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 that worked. It did. It worked, but 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 when it came time for Mike to you know really to focus and get involved in 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 what what we do what what was being done, uh, he couldn't do it. He couldn't yeah. do it. You know, he was like nowhere to be found. He was just out. You know, and it's unfortunate because you know Mike is a guitar god to so many people. You know, and Mike could have. Mike could have broken away from P-Funk like long ago, you know, you know, when he when he was a lot younger, he could have and he, and he could have had, you know, a successful solo thing because of his stature, because of you know how he was looked upon. But but unfortunately, and this was another unfortunate thing, you know, George didn't want to lose what he had, you know, and so he he was and, and, I, and I was there and I saw he kind of could kind of in a way kind of brainwashed uh mike because mike was you know young and, and kind of impressionable you know and he kind of brainwashed mike to, into thinking that if you leave me you will never have this kind of success that you have now and the way that people look at you and this and that and you know uh and that that's a that's unfortunate you know i mean because george he did kind of do that because he you know you know he he needed to keep what he had, what he had afloat, you know, and, uh, you know, I mean, you know, George, George just wasn't a saint, you know, and so he, he did what he felt he had to do to keep his thing fine, which was fine, but, but it, it impeded, you know, impeded the progress of, of, of everybody, of, of, of other people. Say that's what happened with the Brides of Frankenstein, you know, the Brides of Frankenstein, when they first came out and they were getting 
a lot of notoriety, but you know, George kind of kind of pulled back on that. You know what I mean? I, I mean, I, you know, when it got if it, if it looked like it was going to get too big, then George kind of pulled kind of pulled back, and then that was that was unfortunate. You know, I mean, you know, that was that was unfortunate. Yeah, well, and I yeah I communicate with Mike, and really where he's at now, <clears throat> he doesn't feel comfortable doing like what you and I are doing right now. So that's unfortunate too, yeah. but yeah. glad he's still getting out there on stage from time to time and, and still playing. Yeah, he's yeah, you know he is he you know he still he still does, <laughs> you know because lately he's been doing stuff with the uh, four twenty funk mob, Clip, uh, Clip Payne's group. Yeah, I like I like their stuff because they'll do more of the obscure. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So before lasting with Parliament um, for for this record anyway, um, how did the solo for Flashlight come about, and how was it executed, and did you have any idea it would become what it's become? A lot of people ask me that question, <laughs> actually, because you know, I mean, because uh, I'm I because I I I, uh, I had done a, was doing a, uh, sessions for uh, for Public Enemy. And, um, uh, and, you know, you know, talking to, you know, Chuck D and, and, uh, and the Shockley brothers, the Shockley brothers, uh, Keith and Hank Shockley were producing, you know, his, you know, his, uh, the album that they were doing. And, uh, and, and, you know, they were telling me how, you know, like that flashlight solo, you know, has been sampled, you know, has been used and this and that, you know, now that solo, um, uh, I played. I played throughout the entire recording. You know, I, I you know, George said, "I'm going to put this on recording. I'm going to put the recording on. Just play, man. Just, just play. You know, you know, act, act as if it's your, act as if it's your record, and yours, you, and you're just, you, you know, your soul. Just play throughout the whole thing. And so I did. I played it from from start to finish. I, I soloed throughout the whole thing. And um, and I was surprised that. That piece was the only thing that he that that he took out of the out of the entire out of the entire record. I think that I was playing some nice stuff, and I think it probably was. But but for the purposes, I guess, of what George was you know doing vocally with it and all that, he only took that one section. And then I was a little disappointed. I was, you know, and um, and I and I never asked him why he didn't use more of it. I never I never asked him why you know. Uh, you know, I mean, because you know, you know, it's this record, you know, uh, but but then, you know, I started getting all this feedback from that. I mean, the thing is only like four about four measures long, you know, and um, and I, I I was amazed. I was amazed at, you know, I, I was amazed at the at the at, at all of the feedback that I got off that I, that I got off of that record. I you know. And it really amazed me. You know, they, they said that people were were, were sampling it, and and and, and and I didn't expect that people would even would even know would even pay that much attention to, to the sax solo. Because when I mentioned flashlight, the people said, "Yeah, man, you know the guy who did the sax solo." Oh man, and they and they bowed down, and oh man, you know, <laughs> it's like I, I played like there was only like four measures of the thing, and so it was like you know I was you know, and I I never I never understood what. The big deal was about what I played, what what was kept. I mean, I felt that I played some really nice stuff in other parts of the song, you know, and you know, and 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 I never understood, 
you know, I never understood what you know what what the big deal was. Cause I have like, look, I'm looking. See, I don't know if you can see on my on the wall. Yeah, uh, yeah, fr uh, the picture froze, but yeah, I can see it. Hopefully, um, viewers can see it. If you can see them, there's these are two, like this. This is a uh, platinum. This is a platinum of fun of Funkintelliki. Yep. Right. And this is um, this is for there's a gold for flashlight. And uh, then there, there's one other one there that's um, that's for uh, uh, an uh, an album uh, called The Bomb. You know that that flashlight was on. It was a, a bunch of P Funk songs. Yeah, it was a hits collection. Yeah, yeah, and um, well, there's another gold record up there for the Rolling Stones thing. But um, I, I I was really surprised. And as a matter of fact, um, I still get checks. I still get royalty checks to this day for that song. <laughs> Not from George's personal account. No, no, no. Because <laughs> you know they because the, the the song has been used in in commercials, you know, as like backing music for commercials, you know, for this or for that, or for, or uh, like in a movie, like in a movie, like if it's a if it's a nightclub scene or something like that, it's played, you know, as as a, on 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 a jukebox, you know, as a as a song that's being played in a club, and uh, you know and uh, I mean, it's you know, it still amazes me. I still get checks from the union for that, you know. And uh, when you, you know, when you when you first heard the music, though, I mean, it was when I first heard it, mm -hmm. it it really blew my mind. I mean, it was not like anything that had come before it. It was one of those right. records and songs that just really changed the game. It, it was innovative, different sounding, like it came from otherworldly almost i mean it was just it was a groundbreaking track and so did you feel that way at the time uh actually no <laughs> uh because we had a well you know and one of the i mean i mean i had heard uh i mean from playing with bernie you know doing the concerts and stuff i mean bernie was playing bass lines like that all the time you know so that particular bass line you know, like the way, which is like a major, which is a major component of the song. It didn't, it didn't strike me as anything different than what Bernie was really, was what, what he played usually. Um, and I, I, and plus we had technical difficulty with the machines because, uh, you know, the song, the song was, uh, was in, was in C actually, but but the machine, there was, a, there was something wrong with this machine, and it was recorded like a, a half a step, a half a step lower. And um, you know, it was, uh, and and I don't know, I, I just, I wasn't like, um, I really wasn't really paying attention too much to, you know, to the music. There was a technical difficulty that they had with the machine, and and and, and the fact that, you know, it was a regular Bernie bass lines, the kind of stuff that he played all the time, and uh, I had no idea that that the song would would blow up the way that it did you know i you know i i really had no idea i mean and it, and it wasn't until it did blow up that i was you know disappointed that i wasn't on more of the song but you know i understand why because i mean it you know it was vocally there's a lot of stuff going on in the song between the background vocals and what george was saying what george was uh saying and 
and with you know different sounds and stuff that that Bernie was putting on there with his keyboards and you know so I mean I understand you know I understand uh, yeah it was, a, it was a crowded a crowd crowded track I mean yeah, well, yeah. very layered yeah yeah it, it was but you know you could take all of that stuff away and just have the guitar the drums and Bernie's track and Bernie's bass track and it would have it still been a hit it probably was probably would have still been a hit well, uh, I've heard that it was originally a Bootsy track and that yeah. they took yeah. it for Parliament yeah because Bootsy played drums on it Bootsy was the one playing drums because it, it was Bootsy and Bootsy and um, uh, I think no it wasn't Catfish no I don't think Catfish I'm, I'm, see I'm not sure now because I was I was um I was always under the impression that Catfish Collins was playing playing the guitar part. You know, um and Boots because Boosie was playing drums. I know that, but but you know but as I say, you know, a lot of uh you know, musically George didn't have a lot to do with you know, musically it was it was it was Bootsy, Glenn, Gary, and Bernie that that really had you know, had had to do with with the uh, musically what was going on, um, but uh, you think you think they might have found more room for your sax solo on that extended like ten minute twelve inch, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I know, I know. I mean, on a single, the sax solo is not even there, but but on you know, it's only on the only on the album version, and um, yeah. That's another thing I thought about too. Is as long as the song is, you couldn't couldn't find a bit more space. But yeah. you know, but I'm but I'm I'm you know I, I, I'm I'm grateful that the tune did with it because the bottom line is, look, even if they had to put more space in there, um, number one, my checks wouldn't have been any bigger. <laughs> number and and, and uh, number two, uh, probably. You know, the people coming up to me, you know, and, and saying how, how much they like the solo, uh, they, you know, they wouldn't have done that anymore uh, than they would have done now. You know what I mean? So, eh, so it, all, it all comes out in the wash, you know. Well, you know, we, we talked a lot about Parliament, but on that tour, how tight, in your, in your opinion, was Bootsy's Rubber Band opening that? I mean, because they were incredible. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when they first came out, I mean, they, they were blowing people away, man. And uh, and Fred has to Fred has to take credit for that because Fred was Fred was his musical director, you know. And he's he's the one that you know with, with all the cuts and, and all that stuff, you know. And uh, it was almost like it was, it was almost like a James Brown show, you know. I mean, you know, Bootsy being you know Bootsy was very tall, and the costumes that he wore. With the glasses and all that, and, and all the sparkles and stuff, made him really larger than life. You know, he wasn't, you know, you know, rather he wasn't just the bass player playing in the band. I mean, naturally, it was Bootsy's band, and he was featured, but he was featured like in a way that was that was really dominating. You know what I mean? And and it made and it made him it made him much much larger than life. You know, I mean, the way the show was, I mean it. I mean, it was perfect for it was it was perfect for him, you know. I mean, his his coming out, his debut thing, was it was it was all that, you know, because he came out hard. He came out hard, man. I mean, 
and uh, it was, you know, and, and the the band was, you know, dynamic band, you know, with you know with Frankie Cash and and you know and and Razor Sharp, you know Johnson and you know and Catfish and I mean you know you know Mudbone, you know that though that group that group of people, you know you you know you you couldn't beat it and you got Fred Maceo there, I mean forget it, you know. <laughs> Forget it. Yeah, it, it, it was going to be hard hitting. Yeah, it was. You know, so no. So let's try to move on a little bit. Here's that uh, first, yeah. first and only uh, Quasar record, right. uh, which was uh, Glenn Goins' uh, group. And um, what what were the you know um, events that transpired that? You know, led to Glenn doing that and you being part of it. Well, um, well, Glenn, I, I had known Glenn uh, actually since before he before he got into Parliament because you know um, there was a group uh, in Plain because you know like you know I was playing in bands and stuff you know and, and in Plainfield, New Jersey there were a whole lot of bands there you know Plain you know Plainfield is like the home of the funk you know and there were a lot of different bands. And uh, funk bands, and I was playing in a group that Glenn played in called the Bags, and um, uh, that's when I first met Glenn. And uh, he had, and it was just before he, just before he got into Parliament. And uh, so me and Glenn and I knew each other. Since then, then you know, got into Parliament, and we, you know, we played together, and this and that, you know. And um, Glenn. Uh, uh, was producing Quasar. Quasar is actually was was Kevin Goins, Kevin Goins' group. It was his group. Glenn was producing them, right? And so they had already done recording in Detroit uh, for Armand Belady and for Westbound. Uh, they had already done that by the time, you know, by the time we, I left Parliament. But by the time you know Glenn and I, we all left Parliament. They had been do, already done the Detroit stuff, and. Um, they had signed a deal, you know. They had signed their deal with with Arista, with Clive Davis, and uh, and as and as a side note, you know, Glenn was the first African American to produce any record, any Arista record. He was the first one. Prior to that, you know, there was no, you know, no black artist produced any record on Arista, and he was the first one. But at any rate, so Clive trusted him, <laughs> you know. Glad I trusted him. Um, but at any rate, um, uh, you know, he, he had had to deal with with Arista. And so Glenn, you know, Glenn liked my plan. He liked my he liked the way I arranged, you know. Uh, and so. So when we when we left, when we, when we all left, uh, Glenn wanted me to, you know, wanted me to work with the group, you know, and uh, it's as simple as that, actually. And, uh, you know, so I started working with them. Um, and so uh, you were on tracks like Funk with a Big Foot and Funk with Capital G and Funk and Roll and all that great stuff. Yeah, all the yeah, all the all the horn stuff, all the horn stuff I did. Uh, you know, and uh, Monica Peters was the trumpet. The, the, was the she was the uh, the trumpet player in the band. And um, you know, I I did all. I was because I was one of the I was one of the musical directors of of quasar um once i left you know once once i got involved with them because you know they were they were together before i got involved but 
once I got involved with I was one of the musical directors, me and a keyboard player. Um, and uh, Quasar was, um, Quasar was street kids, street kids um, in, from Plainfield. But, and they could play their asses off, you know, but, um, but Glenn was the unifi unifying force. Glenn, was, Glenn took, took their whole street attitude and vibe, you know, and, um, you, know, you know, I guess figured that, um, you remember the Bowery Boys, right? Leo yes. Gorsi and all, right? Yeah. They were like them. They were like, you know, just, just like street urchins, you know, but they happened to be able to play. And it's like they, it's like they didn't realize how well they played. They didn't, you know, they were badasses, but they didn't realize it. They were too busy cutting up and doing stupid stuff, you know. Um, but Glenn, Glenn, Glenn gave them focus. You know, Glenn gave them, you know, gave them discipline. They practiced. Quasar practiced. We practiced uh, eight hours. Eight, eight hours, four days a week. The band practiced. Glenn had them practicing eight hours, four days a week. And and he and he kept them in he kept them in line. You know, he kept them in line. And uh he he made them very disciplined. And then once they found once they found out, they, they had they had uh, they had an aha moment, you know. You know, once they found out that how well that they could play and that they could actually do this, they uh you know, they, they fell they fell in line. You know, they fell in line. So I you know, I you know, I commend Glenn for doing that. That's why when when Glenn died, Quasar just fell apart. Yeah, he he passed like the same month the record came out, right? Uh yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that just pulled the rug out. Yeah, and and and, and it just you know, and Kevin started you know, he started getting you know, getting weird. He he held he he held up a gas station. In, in Plainfield, he held up a gas station uh, for whatever reason. He held up a gas station, and then, and he the gas station attendant he took him, put him in his car, drove him up to the Watchung Mountains up in, in Plainfield, and you know, and let him out. You know, I don't know why he did that, but but he, the thing is, he was looking at because of that, he was looking at a kidnapping charge along with a robbery charge. And it was in the papers, and you know, and it said Arista recording artist Glenn Goins, I mean uh, Kevin Goins, such and such and such and such. Clive saw that, pulled the plug on the whole thing. Wow. Because Clive, Clive said, I, "I can't have this. I don't want you know." This, this, you know, he he said, "I built that built this company up too much." <laughs> you know, that that kind of publicity, Clive didn't want. He immediately pulled the plug on it after that. There is such a thing as bad publicity. Yeah, yeah. At least, at least as far as he was, as far as Clive was concerned. Was that uh, was uh, you think Kevin just distraught over his brother? Or? That was part of it, yeah. Because it, it took him really hard, it, you know. It, you know, really hard, and and he and he started to go downhill. You know, I mean, it's, he started drinking and stuff, and you know, and he, you know, and and he and he was and. Just until re and just until recently, um, he was just known for hanging out, you know, hanging out drunk in the in the uh, hanging around, you know, on the, on the lampposts of uh, Plainfield. But he did um, he did get he did kind of get his did kind of get his thing together, you know. 
and he, um, matter of fact, he's doing he's doing it like a kind of a quasar too. You know, he's uh, trying to get that together. He's been recording tunes, um, and you know, to put out as quasar. You know, um, and uh, I, I, you know, me and my own section, we played on one on, on one of the tunes. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen with it. I really don't know. But I mean, you know, I mean, I'll help as much as I can, you know, you know, whatever, uh, you know, whatever he wants. But, you know, he did, um, you know, he did get, he's been married a long time now and he's, you know, he's, you know, he's gotten, he's gotten his life together, but, you know, he's, he's trying to put out, you know, put out some Quasar stuff, you know, so. I certainly think the uh, group and record would have been a lot bigger had those events not transpired. I well, mean, yeah. fun, funk and roll especially was on its way yeah. to being a, a big hit. Yeah, I mean, Quasar would have, I mean, had Quasar, uh, had Quasar stayed together, I mean, even after Glenn's death. Um, but the thing is, I, I, after Glenn's death, I don't think Quasar would have stayed together only because, you know, since Glenn was the unifying force in the band, and they were not ready to be without Glenn, you know, at the time that Glenn died. I mean, they could have done gigs and stuff. You know, I mean, if if the band had stayed together and stayed intact, they would have done gigs. How long they would have actually stayed together, I don't know, because because they still were not ready to go on without him. They weren't. They weren't. They, you know, if you know, it's like a a woman gives birth to a child, and then the woman the woman dies, and the the child, you know, the child is still a child. It's just not ready to handle life on their own. You know what I mean? Yep. Well, you know, I mean, we all know what an incredible singer Glenn was. And, you know, everyone who's heard him can say that. And people that have worked with him have certainly said that through the years. But when I had Rick Gardner on, um, he had also toured and played with Marvin Gaye. Mm -hmm. And I said, in that context, who's the greatest singer? You know? And he went with Glenn. Uh So... When you're saying Glenn above Marvin Gaye, that's quite a well. Problem. I mean, Glenn. Well, Glenn could. Glenn. Could, I think that Glenn could do more with his voice than Marvin Gaye could do. But but on the same. But by the same token, giving props to Marvin Gaye, that era at that time, you know, I mean, there were just there were certain things. Now maybe Marvin Gaye could do more, but I mean, this is what Marvin was doing at the time. So you know. I mean, so you, we'll, we'll never know, you know what I mean? We'll, you know, we'll never really know. And I mean, Glenn, look, Frank Zappa, Frank Zappa wanted Glenn in his band. Frank Zappa loved Glenn so much. Frank Zappa wanted Glenn, and the only reason that Glenn didn't go with Frank Zappa was because, you, uh, well, you heard of Robert Middleman? Robert yeah. Middleman. Robert yeah. Middleman, Robert Middleman was, you know, like Archie Ivy and, 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 and Vickers and, you know, he was involved. He was one of the, one of the managers of of P Funk, of P Funk. And uh, matter of fact, Robert Robert was managing was managing Glenn. Uh, you know, for his solo thing, right? You know, because uh, uh, you know, they were close. Glenn and Robert Middleman were, were very close. He lived, Middleman lives in Florida right now, uh, but at any rate, uh, they were very close, and. Uh, the only reason that Glenn didn't go with Zappa was because of Middleman. And because Glenn at the time was making $250 a week 
from from George. This was close to the time, a little bit after Glenn joined. You know, like maybe about a year after, maybe about a year after Glenn joined, he was making two hundred fifty dollars a week. Zappa offered him, Zappa offered him five hundred dollars a week, and you know, Glenn was saying, hmm, you know, and so uh, George knew about the off, knew about the offer, you know, uh, and George went to Robert and said, listen, you know, you, you know. You got to stop Glenn from leaving. You, you, you know, I know, you know, you all, you were close. And, you know, you know, Glenn came to me and told me about the, you know, Zappa thing. And, you know, and so Robert said, okay, well, well, I, Robert said, the first question I need to ask you, George, is can you match that offer? Can you match that offer? And George said, no, I can't. I, I can't match that offer. You know, which, you know, he probably could. He probably could. Could have, but I don't think he wanted to. At any rate, so Robert said, well, okay, well, I'll see what I can do. So he went to Glenn, and he, he said, you know, uh, you know, Glenn, uh, Zappa, I know Zappa made you the offer and all, but, you know, I think that you should stay with George because, you know, I know you want to do your solo thing, and I think that George will, being with George will enable you to do your solo thing and 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 stay with, you know what you like what, what you like to what you like you know, what you like to do best you know, and um, and Glenn thought about it and you know I mean he liked he liked doing funk he liked what what uh, P Funk was doing and all and, and so he decided to stay 